Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Addiction Audio Podcast. My name is Ben Sher, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Dr. Joseph Friedman from the Center for Social Medicine and Humanities at UCLA. Dr. Friedman, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so today, Dr. Freeman will be speaking to us about um, a brand new paper that is out in the Addiction Journal called Charting the Fourth Wave, Geographic, Temporal, Race, Ethnicity and Demographic Trends in Polysubstance Fentanyl Overdose Deaths in the United States between 2010 and 2021. So a bit of a mouthful, but I'm sure everything will be explained um, in much more simple terms. Um, but before we dive into the paper, um, Dr. Freeman, would you mind just telling us a bit about your research and um, yeah, what are you what are you working on at the moment? Sure. Yeah. So broadly, I study the you know the U.S. and North American drug overdose crisis. So uh, there's a lot to study there. Um, a lot of kind of rapid shifts in terms of you know which drugs are being implicated in how people are overdosing, um, and also a lot about social inequalities in terms of substance use disorders. And going into this paper now, what is the what is the background to this study? What is going on in the U.S. at the moment in relation to um, the overdose crisis? And, and what do you mean by a fourth wave? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the, the United States is really an extreme global outlier when it comes to drug overdose mortality. You know, in some of the latest numbers, we have a drug overdose death rate that's something like 20 times the global average. You know, we're far higher than the most affected countries in Europe, for example. And, um, you know, we, we really have a unique situation, unfortunately, in the United States with this cause of death. So, um, you know, over time, there have been kind of a number of shifts in, in which specific drugs people are overdosing on. So even though when you actually look at the overall drug overdose death rate, it's just gone up in a relatively smooth fashion year after year for like the past four decades, but when you actually drill in and look at which specific drugs are implicated, that's that's changed drastically over time. And there's four kind of general waves that pe that researchers like to talk about in terms of which drugs were like the most important at each period of time. So the first wave is thought to have started in the early 2000s with a rise in prescription opioids. So those became the, the kind of driving force in, in the overdose crisis. And then in 2010, uh, it switched to heroin. So there was a there was a, a really kind of widespread um, societal shift away from prescribing prescription opioids. They became way less available, and a lot of people moved and switched to to using illicit drugs like heroin. Right, and so in 2010, heroin became the um, the overdose deaths stemming from heroin really started to spike. But that wave was actually relatively short-lived. So we can actually see um, in, in our paper, we see how deaths involving heroin started to jump in 2010 and then, you know, peaked about five years later and have actually been declining for about the past five years. And that's because they were rapidly overtaken by deaths involving illicit fentanyl. So fentanyl is a, also an opioid similar to heroin, but just much more potent. Um, and it's synthetic. So while heroin is made, you know, essentially agriculturally, you know, produced in a field um, and then processed minimally, fentanyl is, is, is fully synthetic. So made in a, in a lab uh, using, you know, chemicals that are um, just imported en masse. And so um, what we saw is that starting in 2013, deaths involving fentanyls really started to um, jump up. And that's the start of the third wave. 
And then um, what this paper is really about is the so-called fourth wave. And so we're, we're trying to really explain in a, in a nuanced fashion, what is the fourth wave? And I think the, the key thing is that um, the third wave, which is fentanyl, really ushered in the fourth wave, which is fentanyl combined with other things. So it's called, quote, polysubstance deaths, right? And a polysubstance drug crisis where people are um, kind of rapidly switching from just using fentanyl to actually mixing fentanyl with other things, especially stimulants. And so we describe how just a few years after the start of the third wave in 2013, starting in 2015, overdose deaths involving fentanyl with stimulants started to rise. And now we're seeing that is becoming kind of the dominant force in the U.S. drug overdose crisis, where really fentanyl with stimulants is becoming more common than fentanyl without stimulants. And for this study, what, what data were you and your team using? How did you go about answering these questions? Yeah, so we're using um, comprehensive death records collected by the, uh, the Centers for Disease Control. Um, and we're essentially describing all deaths from uh, related to drugs and drug overdose in the United States from uh, 1999 through 2021. Okay. And when you say polysubstance, do we know if the exact substances they're being that are being mixed in with with the fentanyl? Yeah, so that is a really good question. We are looking kind of pretty comprehensively at the substances that that this database does track. Um, I can talk about this a little bit later if uh, if we get to kind of next steps. But you know, we know there are a number of substances that are not being tracked very comprehensively, but um, for you know various kind of technical reasons. But I will say that we do have a pretty good idea about kind of the big buckets of drugs. So we know that fentanyls are being used with methamphetamine and cocaine. Um, those, you know, we track things like benzodiazepines um, fairly well, but certainly there are a number of other substances that, that are probably not being accurately tallied. Okay. And just diving a bit into the, the methodology of this study, once you had all of this data, um, what, it, what, it, what exactly is it that you do to, to, to come up with these answers? Yeah. This this is this was a really fun paper to write because this is this is a, a data insight piece which I think is a really nice formatted addiction and you know it's basically kind of a, uh, a visual kind of exploratory analysis right where we're looking at this kind of massive amount of new information about what people are dying from and trying to come up with like nice visualizations to highlight the key trends so um, you know Dr. Shover my my co-author and I basically. Um, just did a lot of kind of exploratory data visualization and try and, you know, I mean, we, I think there's, you know, six, six or some six or so graphs in the paper, but we probably made hundreds um, just really trying to understand like, how are things evolving? Um, and so this is a, this is a paper that, you know, was really fun because um, we got to kind of just do a lot of like searching. Fascinating. And now turning to the results. Um, what can the results of this paper tell us about how we should understand the overdose crisis in the United States? Yeah. So um, I think, you know, one of the main takeaways here is just understanding that polysubstance drug overdose is really becoming the norm. So, as you know, just to throw out some numbers, so the percent of U.S. overdose deaths involving both fentanyl and stimulants in 2010 was 0.6%. So like one in every 200 overdose deaths. And by 2021, it has it rose to one third of all deaths or one in three. And um, if you just kind of take a look at the trends, you can see that in, over the next couple of years, we expect 
the combination of fentanyl and stimulants to be by far the most common thing that people are, are dying from. So just knowing that, I think that really sets the kind of big picture context for so much work that needs to be done in this area. Um, we've seen a really interesting shift in what fentanyl is being combined with. So if you look back in 2010, fentanyl was most commonly found along th around things that are kind of legally you know, obtainable. So prescription opioids, benzodiazepines, alcohol, and in essentially universally in every state in the U.S. that is that is shifted to stimulants. Um, the pattern is a little bit different for different parts of the country. So um, in the Northeast, we see that it's really shifted to fentanyl being mixed with cocaine. And in the rest of the country, um, it's essentially shifted to fentanyl being used with methamphetamine. So the rise of methamphetamine has been prolific in the United States over the past decade or so. And really, we're seeing it um, becoming, you know, the combination of fentanyl and methamphetamine becoming kind of the most common thing we see in almost every state. Um, I, I think this is a really important uh, trend because, you know, we're, we're, very, we're very used to studying, I think, opioid and, and opiate addiction in the United States. But we're, we have much less research and kind of clinical knowledge about how to treat opioids mixed with methamphetamine um but that this is this is kind of the key task uh, at, at the moment and and what do you think of the the policy implications of this i mean for for policy makers who get to get to read your research who who maybe hear, hear you speak at conferences or when this research is disseminated what are the implications of this research for them yeah it's a great question so you know, we certainly one that one policy implication is that we really do need better data to understand exactly what is happening on the ground. Because although we are showing this kind of evidence broadly of polysubstance deaths, um, we know that there are a number of novel synthetic drugs that are actually not being accurately tracked. So to give you an idea of the scope of the challenge, you know, there are thousands of jurisdictions of of uh, kind of groups that investigate deaths, which are coroners and medical examiners. There's thousands all over the country. They all have their own standards. You know, some things are standardized, some things are not standardized. They're using like different toxicology services to try and investigate which uh, drugs can be found in the blood of people who died in drug overdoses. And so, you know, standardizing all of this is this huge challenge. Um, and we know that a lot of novel substances such as xylazine, which has been in the news a lot recently, are not comprehensively tracked in, in all of these jurisdictions. So one thing is, I think, deep investments in, in tracking drug overdose deaths. You know, the other thing is there's like a six month minimum lag to get the latest numbers in terms of how many people are dying. And this also just relates to backlogs in toxicology and in medical examiners time. So I think that's an important implication. And then more broadly, you know, we really need better treatment options. I think we need research and also resources invested in treating people who are, for example, withdrawing not just from fentanyl, but from fentanyl and stimulants and other substances, right? And these are very clinically, very like nuanced scenarios. Um, you can imagine we have pretty good medications to give to somebody to treat their opioid withdrawal syndrome. So um, that, you know, it's, it's excruciatingly uncomfortable to to if you're, if you're using a substance every day to stop using it all of a sudden, right? I think we can all perhaps relate having not had our coffee one day or something like that and then have it be like a thousand times worse and so you know, these are these excruciating um feelings that we have pretty good medications for the opioid piece of that but we really don't have 
good medications for the stimulant piece and, and, and for other drugs. And so um, I think just like we really need to kind of tackle this, this uh, polysubstance kind of problem uh, in terms of clinical management. You've spoken about this um, already a little bit, but in terms of what we need to do differently to slow down these numbers, you said at the beginning that rates of overdose deaths have steadily been rising since the early 2000s, and they're still on that upwards trend. Um, from your point of view, both from what the research says, but also um, just in the in the broader literature, what do you think we need to be doing differently at the local, state and fe- federal levels to really slow down rates of overdose? No, that's the million dollar question, right? And um, and certainly I, I have uh, my own set of, of ideas. Um, I think there's a, there's a lot of really good people working in this area. Um, I think, you know, it's at the local level and probably at the state level. I think we really need to invest in robust systems uh, of, of support and services and care for people with substance use disorders. Um, you know, in the United States, we don't have a robust welfare system. Uh, a, a sort of we have the opposite of a welfare state, I think, in many uh, in many senses. So um, I think just there's pretty good evidence that just expanding services that are in direct contact with people really improves outcomes. So, you know, things like harm reduction clinics where, you know, people who are actively using have a place to go, have a place where they can, you know, be in contact with people who can connect them to healthcare. I think that that's tremendously helpful. Um and I think at the state and federal level, we need to kind of broadly expand access to healthcare, access to services, um, and research into how to kind of tackle some of the newer challenges that we're facing. Definitely. Um, and thinking about this study and what's next for this study, do you and your team have any plans for further analysis or to build on these results in any way? Absolutely. Yeah, we, we continue to actively investigate um, polysubstance use. There are a number beyond kind of stimulants, which are one of the main focuses of this piece. You know, we're taking a look at a number of other novel uh, synthetic drugs that are becoming increasingly important in the U.S. Um, I'm personally really excited about research and drug checking where um, instead of, you know, kind of waiting for someone to die and looking at what was in their blood, we can actually a little bit more proactively go out and engage with people that are using drugs. Um, provide drug checking services to them and allow them to have more insight into what exactly they're consuming because many people don't know and um, find some kind of really interesting patterns in, in terms of what's shifting in the drug market and, and concerning patterns. Amazing. Well, Dr. Friedman, thank you so much for joining us today. And for everyone listening, if you want to um, check out Dr. Friedman's study that he's spoken about today, you can find it uh, in the Addiction Journal. Thank you. Thanks so much, Ryan.